Hello and welcome into Main Street Preps this week. I'm Russell Minosi, joined as always by Tyler Palmatier, and we are back for another episode. Um, should be should be a fun one. A little bit of a different show today. We are going to talk to On Three and OMSpirit.com recruiting analyst Zach Barry to get his take on uh, just all things college football recruiting. And then afterwards, we will take a victory lap with Montgomery Bell Academy soccer coach Giles Cheevers. Uh, his team won a state championship a couple weeks ago, and even though that's uh, in the rear view now, we want to catch up with him and just uh, talk about his his move over from Ireland and, er- and everything that's transpired since then. So it should be a really fun show. Before we dive into all that, I want to remind everybody this podcast is sponsored by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. All right, let's go ahead and bring in On3 and OMSpirit.com recruiting analyst Zach Barry now. He's going to join us on screen here if you're watching. Zach, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, guys. How we doing? Yeah, you bet. Really good, man. Doing well. So, Zach, we're, we're curious. What is this time of year like for recruiting reporters? I know most of June is defined by the NCAA as a bit of a quiet period, but there's st- certainly a ton of offers going out and even some guys making commitments uh, as well. Yeah, I mean, it's anything but quiet right now. Um, this has kind of become what I like to call camp season. A lot of uh, schools will start uh, kind of their run of elite camps is kind of what most coaches call it. Uh, They'll do some semblance of a seven on seven uh, specialty camp. They'll do, you know, the kids camp uh, and then they'll do uh, some elite camps as well, where they do a lot of evaluations in person. That is where you see a lot of the offers that go out. Um, If you're familiar with recruiting, you know that prospects will post their offers on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, There are even even some that have TikTok. But those offers, uh, depending on the prospect, are not always committable. Uh, Most of them are camp offers. So this is where those offers uh, can come to fruition, where you come, you do a workout in person. Um, Let's say that recruiting services have you listed at 6'3", 225, and then you come in for a camp and you're actually – six, one and a half, two fifteen. So those, um, those types of things are ironed out. They, uh, they want to see you in person, uh, coaches for the most part. Uh, I think you'd, you'd be hard pressed to find a staff that is not going to be incredibly diligent and thorough and, uh, what they do. So this is, uh, this, this is the time of year where a lot of guys are going to those camps, either seeking committable offers or seeking some semblance of an offer to where, hey, we like what we saw from you in person today, but we want to see what you do in your senior season or your junior season, and then we'll go from there. So um, it's mostly that, but I'm sure we'll get into it here um, shortly, but this has also become a time of the year when guys are committing. Uh, The more guys I talk to, the more uh, answers I get that are in some shape, form, or fashion of, I want to commit before my senior season so I can focus on being a high school senior, playing with my friends and trying to win a state championship. And of course, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys, a lot of guys in this area, Zach, uh, your focus is Ole Miss obviously. And uh, it's, it's, this is fertile recruiting ground for, for Lane Kiffin, really anybody in the SEC, Uh, which Nashville area guys uh, in in any class right now uh, is, is Lane staff looking at the closest. Right now, uh, if we go in the 24 class, we'll start there. Uh, good handful of guys. Um, 
that have offers right now or uh, could be uh, on the cusp of potentially committing soon. Um, one that uh, has an offer from Ole Miss and is uh, really starting to see his recruitment uh, grow is Marcellus Barnes, uh, our cornerback from Macaulay School up in Chattanooga. He's a uh, the on three industry ranking, which is a essentially a a uh, an average ranking of all the recruiting services put together. He is a four star prospect, top three hundred guy, um, really athletic, long, and uh, can really run. He uh, took a visit to Ole Miss. I spoke with him after that. He spoke very highly of Pete Golding, who is now the defensive coordinator at Ole Miss, who was at Alabama for a couple of years with Nick Saban. Um, he has really hit the ground running since he got hired, and uh, Ole Miss has really seen their recruiting pick up, um, not just in the Southeast, but all over. Uh, so Marcellus Barnes is certainly a name to know um, in general, not just if you're an Ole Miss fan. And then um, – an offensive lineman uh, right down the road from us over at uh, CPA, John Wayne Oliver. He uh, released a top three over the weekend, Ole Miss, TCU, and Auburn. Talked with a, a source that's close to, to John Wayne Oliver. Right now it appears to be an Ole Miss-TCU battle. Ole Miss probably has a slight lead at this point. He will be taking an official visit to uh, to Oxford, Mississippi this weekend. Uh, the new offensive line coach there, John Garrison, um, who's been in the industry, been in the business for a long time, um, played center at Nebraska. He was actually the center for Eric Crouch during his Heisman Trophy uh, winning season. Uh, and um, he has uh, kind of been everywhere. He was at Nebraska for a long time, coached, uh, I want to say, either eight or nine pros while he was there. And then um, during his time, at uh, NC State, and I, I don't even want to try to say the name because I've tried to say it. Um, <laughs> it's really hard. Um, but a uh, first-round NFL draft pick while he was at NC State, he went to the Panthers. Um, and I am I, – I, I don't even want to – I probably can't do it justice, but um, he's an excellent offensive line coach. He's been targeting a lot of um, – Offensive linemen bringing a lot of guys in on official visits. Um, here it is. I wanted to make sure I pulled it up because I didn't want to do it from memory. Uh, Ika McWanu. Uh, he was the sixth overall pick in the uh, 2022 NFL draft. So uh, had a, has a lot of cachet in the business. Uh, is a very respected offensive line coach. So John Wayne Oliver is uh, paying attention there. And uh, a couple other guys around the state of Tennessee that Ole Miss is – is kind of honing in on right now. Another one, Cameron Clark out of South Gibson high school um, over in the Jackson area, kind of a jumbo athlete does a little bit of everything um, for South Gibson, but he's being recruited as an edge rusher at Ole Miss. Randall Joyner, the defensive line coach at Ole Miss. Um, he's had a ton of success in short time since he's gotten to Oxford. Sam Williams now with the Cowboys. Um, he was a second round NFL draft pick. And then this past, uh, NFL draft, Tavius Robinson, a guy that kind of came out of nowhere was, um, you know, just a guy that came from Canada, hadn't played a lot of football. And then, uh, now he's playing for the Baltimore Ravens. So, um, Randall Joyner is, is focusing on Cameron Clark right now. And then, uh, one other guy that, that Ole Miss has offered, but haven't heard much about him, but, uh, someone that I think is going to have a big senior season, um, a nice follow-up 
to uh, his junior season where he was a Mr. Football finalist. But Kamaro Brown from Memphis Academy of Health Sciences in the uh, Bluff City, he's another name to know. Um, that's just for 2024, though. The, the Tennessee has really blown up um, talent-wise. It hasn't been a super deep state. Um, there's always talent. There's Don't get me wrong, but these this 24 and 25 classes are super deep. Um, you look at 25, that you obviously got to start with George McIntyre, uh, the quarterback at Brentwood Academy, uh, Jamarian Morrow at Germantown in uh, Germantown, Tennessee, a four-star guy as well, top 100 prospect. Uh, those two guys have a lot of Power 5 offers and um, enough to where I think that they could probably take their recruitment well into their uh, summer before their senior season because there's going to be a lot of attention for those two guys. But um, those are probably the two 25 guys that Ole Miss is paying attention to the most right now. Um, probably more so Jamaria Morrow than uh, George McIntyre. Uh, George McIntyre's really, really blown up after a big uh, sophomore season. Clemson, Tennessee, Michigan, Notre Dame, uh, the heavy hitters around college football are after him. So that's probably the main focus in the state of Tennessee for Ole Miss right now. Lane, Lane Kiffin referred to his son by the Portal King, has had some success in that area. What's it like you know, keeping tabs on the Portal now, whereas recruiting writers in the past were just kind of focusing on the high school recruits, but now – every off season that that whole uh, recruiting process opens up again with the thousands of guys that enter the transfer portal. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's different. Um, obviously every, every prospect is, is going to be unique, but for the most part, those guys don't really want to do a lot of talking. They've already been through the recruiting process as a high school guy. This is kind of a you know, literally and figuratively a business decision for a lot of these prospects. So they're trying to talk with coaches, see campuses, figure out how they would fit into that scheme, that defense, that offense, and then make a decision. So it, it's not a lot of window dressing. So that is different from covering high school, where high school kids want to talk. They like to get their name out there and build that brand and and um, do interviews. But portal guys are, are, are very rarely going to do interviews. Uh, I've had some, had some luck um, recently. There have been some guys that have been, uh, been open to chat. Um, but a lot of them are not. It's it's a straight business decision. There, uh, you know, there's a lot of grad transfers where they're done with school, and this is kind of a six to seventh month, seven month stop for them before they uh, try to get to the NFL draft. So it's a little different in that aspect where you're not talking to them a lot. But um, I enjoy it. I, I think it's great. I mean, hell, if anything, it keeps me busy. There's really no downtime. Um, I always say recruiting never stops. It really doesn't as far as high school because the kids are at camps. They're taking visits, coaches, uh, you know, unless it's a dead period or a quiet period, they're still, you know, really pounding the pavement and getting out there and seeing kids. But um, the portal has been a uh, it's been an adjustment, but I, I don't um, I don't mind it at all. I think it's great. And it's just another challenge and another unique way to cover recruiting. Good stuff, Zach. <clears throat> Excuse me. Good stuff, Zach. Uh, last thing real quick. We've uh, we, we got to get you out of here, but. Former NBA quarterback Marcel Reed in Ole Miss had something of a, a falling out, you know, last year with Reed flipping to AM near signing day. That was the most dramatic thing we saw in the area last year. Uh, what was your take on that situation, you know, a few months later? I think for Marcel, um, I mean, first of all, probably one of the best kids I've ever covered. Um, first class, 
from the time I first spoke with him in his commitment ceremony to talking to him after games, win or lose, and, um, you know, talking with him after, before it unfolded, where he flipped and signed with Texas A&M. I, I think it's just a just a change of the guard, a change in, in strategy, and a, a change of how recruiting is now. And I, I think someone like Marcel Reed saw his stock go up tremendously after a big senior season. Um, they fell short in the state championship game, but it wasn't it, it, it wasn't you know because he didn't play well. Uh, he played lights out all season long. Um, he was incredibly fun to watch and, and incredible talent. Set records at NBA. Um, I think it was just a matter of NIL became a, uh, a very obvious talking point. And I think Texas A&M made a compelling uh, offer to him and, and a compelling case to come in and play quarterback there. And, um, you know, it, it probably wouldn't be too far-fetched to say that, you know, and you look now, he was right. Jimbo Fisher probably said, hey, you look at what Lane Kiffin has done in the, in the quarterback room, and he's always going to try to recruit over the guys he has no matter what. Um, you know, maybe you come here and the room's a little bit thinner and you can get on the field a little faster. Um, I, I don't know for a fact that that is what happened. Um, I have spoke with several sources that said it was mostly playing time and a lot of NIL. Um, but I mean, that's, you know, to, 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 to his credit, I, I, you can't knock him. It's, it's a guy's trying to maximize his brand and maximize an opportunity for him to succeed and for him to, you know, profit off of his likeness and his ability to play football. So um, I don't think anybody should, you know, be angry at Marcel Reed for, for wanting to do that. And um, again, I think it was probably a case where he thought, hey, I could probably go to Texas A&M and get on the field a little quicker because Ole Miss, as you know now, after the fact, they now have um, a pretty loaded quarterback room and um, they're probably going to continue to add to it just because that's how Lane Kiffin operates and he always wants to have the best players that he can sign. Certainly no shortage of drama covering college football recruiting, I'm sure, especially when you are covering a program run by Lane Kiffin. So, Zach, we appreciate you being here today, and, and thank you for taking us behind the curtain a little bit on some of this stuff. Yep. Thanks, guys. I'll have a good one. Thanks, Zach. All right. That has been Zach Barry with on3.com and OM Spirit. Uh, we appreciate him joining us. We're going to take a quick break and then come back with uh, Giles Cheevers from NBA Soccer. So stay tuned. It's just a few cocktails at happy hour. It's just a few cocktails at happy hour. <laughs> you really good try. There aren't any cops around. I didn't think there were any cops around. I drink and drive all the time. Sir. Sir, you've been in a serious crash. I need you to hang on, okay? You've been putting back a few. And a few becomes a few too many. For a moment, you think about calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. What's the worst that can happen? You get pulled over. Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You total your car. You kill someone. We're back.
We're back with more here on Main Street Preps this week, and it's time to welcome in NBA boys soccer coach Giles Cheevers, fresh off a state championship victory a few weeks ago at TWSAA Spring Fling. Giles, uh, thanks for being here. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you. So, Giles, you've been with NBA for almost 20 years now after moving from Ireland. Um, how have you enjoyed just being in Nashville, and did you envision yourself staying with the program for this long? Uh, yeah, great question. Uh, God, I'm, it's after going so fast, the whole journey, but uh, it's a phenomenal place to work, uh, surrounded by great coaches, very, very good coaches, great teachers, mentors, and then the students themselves, what they do is incredible, you know. Uh, it's funny with the whole process of coming over, like the dream to come to the States, ended up in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, it's been brilliant to myself, my family, my wife, my two boys. Uh, so it's it's been uh, yeah it's been it's been fun but uh, it's always great to go back home to Ireland and touch base with all the lads that I played with and coach with back home. So uh, I'm actually returning next week, but I think it's, we have a bunch of seniors that graduated. So we're all looking forward to that next Tuesday. So uh, yeah, fun. Giles, your previous stop before NBA was was coaching your hometown pro team, Waterford United Blues, uh, back in Ireland. I, I hope I got I hope that's, that's right, accurate yeah. there. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's coach, right. They've become Waterford FC. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I Sorry, Giles, let me let me interject there. Um coaches with European uh, soccer roots are they're coaching a lot of high school teams probably more than people realize. What what was the attraction for you to come to America and, and coach this game at this level? Uh to be honest, was, it happened by chance and uh, like I've been coaching in the pros in Ireland and I was after coming to a kind of a uh, just like a wall you could say like well what's the next step here and I'm 40 years of age and I said to my wife like do we you know what do you think we, we look into this so she said to me yeah let's just look into it you're thinking yeah a year or two you could do it you know here we are 18 17 18 years later but uh it's been, like I say, the environment, the way you're here at NBA, when you realize you're in it, you, you, things are done right. We try and do the best to our ability, but we're also uh, very, very lucky to have the, uh, everything is at your the disposal that you can, you know, that you, that you can utilize. And like the kids, again, uh, for me personally, to be able to coach professionals in Ireland and semi-pros in Ireland, where the mentality was either be eaten, come into it and coach at the Montgomery Bell Academy at a high school level that's it's uh it's obviously different but the it's about nurturing young men and uh helping young lads along and also understanding like that uh it's growth for me as well but also that these young boys that uh, they all need a helping hand and like they have phenomenal parents you know phenomenal support and just looking to be able to coach and to be able to do what we did last week and to be on that journey with these kids uh, it's been incredible, you know, it's fun. NBA now has two soccer titles, both of which have happened uh, during your tenure. Uh, I'm curious, you know, when you got to NBA, what was kind of the state of the soccer program at that time? Uh, there were some good players in there, but the, it needed a little bit of structure. Uh, and Coach Lanier was there, and Coach Lanier was phenomenal. He's still around. Uh, he's a legend here at NBA. And I only just spoke to him briefly this morning, actually. So we, we joke and banter about it. So I spent a couple of years like as uh, Coach Lanier's sidekick. And, uh, of course, coming from Ireland, I was full on, 100 miles an hour type of thing. And he was a little bit more chilled out and all that. So they're, they're, they're funny memories for me. But uh, 
we, we joke and talk about it now, but really just to put the organization, put a structure into it, um, put a kind of a four or five year plan as to what you wanted uh, and making sure that the training sessions were organized and to improve each and every player individually and then collectively as a group. And really that's what we try and set out every year to do that, you know. Uh, we look at like your, everyone talks about formations and systems of play. It's still 11 on the field against 11 on the field. You can talk about one four three three or a one three five two or whatever like a one four five one whatever way you want to go with it it's all when you have the ball you try keep it when the opposition doesn't have it you try and win it back quickly or you play you know or press the game high uh, which takes a lot of work and fitness and everything to be able to do that but the game the, the game has changed a ton it's been incredible to watch the way the, the, the game is playing to play today so we try and mimic some of that stuff and at the end of the day we're not pro players but the kids can take on the information and just to make sure that you keep it, I guess the message is to keep it as simple as possible. When you have it, you try to keep it. When you don't have it, you try to win it back quickly. That's a simple message, you know? So your team, uh, Giles, played more than 200 minutes of soccer in the semifinals and the finals, including the penalty kicks, I guess. Uh, what kind of methods did you guys use to keep players fresh from getting exhausted over those two days? Great question. Uh, again, the uh, we we worked a lot, I guess, throughout the season uh, on our fitness levels to make sure that we were. And I get, again, I kept hitting big picture. They were doing this because, and I, all the, so whatever bit of running we did, and we tried not to kill them with the run, but it was all very, very meticulously planned. Uh, myself and the coaches. And you're obviously looking at, at uh, just the freshness of the group. We were all obviously able to get players in uh, and rest some players throughout the season. We obviously uh, and we had a couple of players that were injured that came back with the timing. So I think when you kind of reflect and look at a whole lot, the way the season turned out for us, that we got a couple of players back at important times for us that were able to kind of re-energize the group as well. But the togetherness of this little group, uh, they were a young team. We had seven seniors four of which played a lot. The other three seniors were so, so supportive of the whole group and it was kind of a, a team effort from everybody and there was no real individual stuff. This, this was a whole group effort. So they were incredible from start to finish, you know. And what you guys did to win on back-to-back days, certainly uh, not easy. What do you think about the, you know, yeah. the Division II AA tournament having the semifinals and the finals uh, you know, within this period of 30 hours or so? I know Division One schools don't have yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, we've been asked, you know, this. I've been saying this a long time. I mean, it's when you think about it, it's we don't ask pro athletes to do it, and yet you're asking young lads to do it who have so many other other demands with academics and everything as well. And uh, there's only so much that the body can take, you know. And we all we we talk continually about rest and recovery and fresh mind, and then we're talking about uh, wellness and where you are with, with with the mental side of it all. Uh, I think it's nuts. I think it's ridiculous how you do it, but you have to do what you have to do. And me being Irish, if you put something in front of me and uh, <laughs> I'll find a way to get it done, that's it. Uh, we won't make excuses, you know, we'll get on with it. So you try and instill that mentality into the group as well. Uh, what I would say is taking care of the wellness of all the kids or the safety of all the players, especially in the heat and everything, that there should be some sort of a window where you have a game, in be- uh, sorry, a 24-hour rest in between uh, between games because at the end of the day, it's a showcase. It's supposed to be. And these kids work so hard 
from the start of the season and then they get to a semi-final and a final and that's where it all it's on the line there as we say and uh, you're expecting it to be like a showpiece some of these kids may never get to a state final again it's the end of the season for a lot of these young boys uh, playing high school with their careers and uh, to be expected to play two games in the space of whatever it is 24 hours I think it's ridiculous but uh, it is what it is you know you, you got to get on with it and I hope I'm going to say his name right. Richard Aylward uh, scored the tying goal in the finals against CPA with less than three minutes remaining. Uh, that was the that was really the big moment in that game in a lot of ways. What do you remember about that goal, Giles? And what can you tell us about Richard? Yeah, incredible. Richard had a yeah, he was great for us at the start of the season, and then we lost him in the very first game of that season, uh, which I think he scored a hat trick that same day. And uh, he was a, he was a huge loss to us, but huge credit to Richard, a junior. Uh, so he was very very disciplined in how he went about recovery, listened to everything we and the, doc, uh, the doctors, the physios had told him, the trainers, uh, and we nurtured him back slowly. Where I think <laughs> Richard, I'm laughing about it now because he was so eager to get going, and I just saying, Richie, listen to me, we, and we would just pull him back, hold him back the weight, hold him back. So it's a big picture again. And uh, in fairness to him, he he did that. Uh, and we were just so lucky to get him back for the quarters uh, where we nurtured him in a little bit, got him into a little bit of playing time, and then we got him into, obviously, the semi, and then the final itself. So, I mean, we're hanging up. You know, we're dead and buried at that game, that game, but credit to the boys, credit to Richard. They kept going, and there was, uh, I think we got a free kick down in the far end. We're down 1-0. There's about three three minutes left on the clock, and you're thinking, here we go again, another state championship loss. So, we somehow managed to get the ball towards the midfield. They've all retreated because they were they were hanging on it themselves, CPA, who did, I must say, had a phenomenal season. Uh, solid defence, very, very good goalkeeper, uh, very good team overall. And uh, we ended up just somehow getting the ball into the box and I think the keeper got caught with it. With it. The ball fell short and Richie just got his head on it with the timing of the header and uh, just glanced over the goalkeeper. So, uh, of course, we then realised, wow, we're, we're, you know, we're back in the game here. Let's <laughs> let's go again, see what happens. So, huge credit for our boys for the never-said-die attitude and just the, the resilience and the, the, the togetherness and the, just to keep going to the end, you know? As a former goalkeeper yourself, what did you think of Graham Smith's performance over the two days it stayed? He had seven saves, and then, of course, he hung in there for both the penalty kick sessions. Yeah, incredible. Uh, Graham came into his own actually in the quarterfinals against MUS where he uh, he made two big, big saves and cri- critical moments in that game where we're down one nothing, And they uh, got a, t- a phenomenal save where he touched one of the crossbar. And then uh, that was in the quarters, obviously. And then he made, I think, a great one-on-one as well. He continued that on into the semis, uh, made two good saves against, or a couple of good saves against Baylor. And then kept us in the game against uh, CPA. When you're you're winning nothing and you're pushing to try and get back in the game, you're always leaving yourself open uh, to a counter, you know, or a long ball in, and that, then it's kind of anyone's. But Graham kept us in the game, and then the penalty kicks themselves. Good Lord Almighty! I mean, some of us, you know, but I expected him to make those saves. To be honest, because Graham's a hell of a goalkeeper, you know, uh, worked hard at his game and uh, had a tremendous season for us towards the end. Really, really good season. Came into his own. Incredible. I'll give you 30 seconds. I know it's a short answer that you'll have to give me here, but tell us a little about uh, Gary Germain. He's he's one of the most animated, funny assistants I've ever seen on a sideline. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gary, what you see is what you get. He's a big lad, big, uh, big en- high energy, you know, big energy, big heart. Uh, great to be around. 
uh, funny uh, just in some of his, his uh, team talks or some of the things he would give, like just, you know, we try and keep it tight so we're not saying too much and in, in, information flying out of that over the kids' heads. But uh, he has the rah-rah about him and uh, great guy. I know Gary, 20-something years, so he's a very, very passionate guy and a fun guy to be around. Yeah, we have some good times, some good times together. Yeah, it's got to be a real treat for the the NBA players to have both you guys to deal with on a daily basis. But it looks like it really worked out well for you guys this year. So congratulations on the state championship, Giles, yes. and thanks for joining us today to talk about it. Thanks so much for having me. A pleasure. All right, mind yourselves, guys. See you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Giles. It's been in- NBA soccer coach Giles Cheevers, and that is going to wrap us up for today. A uh, really fun show here. We're going to continue these throughout the summer, so be sure to check us out every Wednesday. We'll be live, and of course, you can find the podcast and the recording afterwards. And before we sign off here, I want to remind everybody that this podcast is sponsored by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. For Tyler Palmentier, I'm Russell Venosi. We'll see you next time on Main Street Preps this week. <laughs>